Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 24 of the big show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Of course, here we are on a Sunday, so that's a, a vault episode. And this one's a real special episode. Um... You know, especially with everything that's coming up here. Uh, this is my old interview with Les Borshine. Of course, Les out here, another fellow Saskatchewan boy. And we talked about his Western Hockey League career at the Brandon Wheat Kings. And, of course, he went on to play pro with uh, Colorado Eagles and the Philadelphia Phantoms, OKC Blazers. And uh, and we, we get into all of that. But uh, where this uh, takes a turn is in 2008, Les was involved in a motorcycle accident, um, which left him paralyzed. And uh, ever since then, he has been uh, battling back. And uh, and th- with this episode, what I'd like to do is every year, the Colorado Eagles, and it was a initiative started by uh, former teammate Tyler Fleck, um, was a golf tournament. And it raises money um, for Les's uh, rehab. It's specialized physical therapy at uh, New Ability in Denver and these workouts help him maintain his strength and his health and and improve and as he says my independence living in a wheelchair and uh, so all the money from the golf tournament and uh, the silent auction so of course anybody listening all you folks out there in the sound of my voice if you have any items that you would like to do you would like to donate to uh, to this great event for the silent auction that would be wonderful I'm going to include a link um on my Twitter page, and as well as um, the description here of this podcast, I will put uh, put the link in. And otherwise, you can go to the Colorado Eagles team site. It's on the news section, um, and there's you know a link to register there with the team Borsheim Golf, or get just get a hold of me on Twitter. I can I can direct you to all of that stuff to uh, you know to Les directly and his phone number, etc. So no, if anybody out there has anything, or if you just uh, would just like to donate. Um, money to the cause. I mean, it's it's all it's all great, and uh, like I said, I will include all the links to all that. And um, again, August twenty first, it's a Friday at the Pelican Lakes Golf Course in Windsor, Colorado. And uh, and like I said, there's a banquets and award award dinner after, and and like I said, in the auction. So this is a, a really big event for Les, and uh, it's the eleventh annual, and they've uh, done some great things, and it's really helped him out. So hopefully, the uh, fourth liners out there can. Uh, Help less so, and not only is this a uh, the vault episode, but I'm I, I'm definitely going to get less back on the show just to get and uh, less actually works as the the voice for the Colorado Eagles on the on the radio. So you know he's still involved in the game, and uh, you know definitely get his uh, you know I'd like to get him back on and his thoughts of the you know how it's changed over the years, and I mean we talk about that in the interview as well. Like I said, you know these interviews we we turn over every stone, so we talk about the very beginning and we we. Uh, 
course, go through Les's entire career. I think you guys will really dig it. Les is a great guest. And uh, like I said, I definitely want to get him back on and, uh, you know, a fellow SAS boy. So, I mean, we'll, we'll talk some Pilsner as well and uh, some Saskatchewan, uh, Saskatchewan winters and summers. But uh, um, if, if anybody, like I said, if anybody out there can help Les out, that'd be just tremendous. And I definitely want to... Like I said, all the episodes, I'm, um, all my interviews, I'm proud of. But uh, this one was a definitely a, a, a real special um, deal for me. And uh, you know, so, if any any little bit that I can obviously uh, lend a voice to uh, Les's cause is, uh, is is all worth it. So, uh, yeah, folks, that's what's going on. August 21st, like I said, on the Friday, I had to get a hold of the Colorado Eagles on your website. You got it on the 23rd. You got the date wrong, but uh, no, it's Friday, August 21st. Uh, from one to six, shotgun start. Like I said, at the uh, Pelican Lakes Golf Course. So, uh, other than that, guys, I'm not going to ramble too long with my intro here. Um, you know, this is about Les and the fundraising and uh, getting his story out there. And uh, and like I said, Les, if you're on, if anybody's on Twitter, definitely follow Les uh, on Twitter. And uh, he puts videos up of his uh, of his rehab workouts and the guy. Guy's a warrior, man. I was telling my wife, I said, here's less uh, sweating and battling and, uh, you know, and I'm sitting in my chair eating chips. It's, uh, it's embarrassing, but uh, Les is just giving her out there and uh, attaboy, Les, keep her going. And, um, you know, definitely, and he and he's a fun follow and, and, and get a hold less, like I said, less an old-time hockey guy, too. And I know he was really, uh, he's really going for Semenko and the Provert Invitational, Les, I know you're listening. I said you were stuffing the ballot box, but... Uh, yeah, so like I said, I, I won't ramble too much on today, but, uh, um, you know, of course, every Sunday we have my vault episodes, and every Wednesday is new content, and uh, I have some I have some cats lined up for some interviews, got a uh, hopefully a uh, really good one tomorrow night lined up to, to talk, so I think that'll be a lot of fun, so I think Wednesday, I, you know, until it's uh, recorded, I don't want to throw it throw it out there, throw names out there, but uh, I'm really looking forward to this one, so uh, check me out Wednesdays, and... Uh, yeah, if you guys can rate and review the show, that always helps me out in uh, with iTunes and Spotify and all that. And, uh, you know, and like I said, uh, you know, being a member of the Hockey Podcast Network, of course, the NHL season just about to start. Sounds so weird to say as we're going into August, but, um, you know, with the network, of course, all 31 teams or 32, or I don't even know how many NHL teams there are, 31, um, all, they're all represented on the network, and, uh, of course, they'll all be firing up here right away, and then, of course, you have Terry Ryan as well, and, uh, you know, TR has always got the great stories, um, so I hope you, uh, you know, you'll uh, definitely support the other, the other, the other folks on the network, and, um, no, other than that, and, of course, off network, I got Alec over at Five for Fighting, Joe at the Coliseum Chronicles, uh, Bobby Longgrass there at the Bucket Drop Podcast. Those guys are always doing great stuff, so check them out. I said, you know, the podcasting world isn't all just spit and chiglets and 31 thoughts and everything else. I mean, there are other, uh, you know, we're all fighting for airtime. I always say shop, shop local, mom and pop shops. That's us. We're the mom and pop shops of podcasting. But if you're listening right now, thank you very much for taking the time to, uh, to tune into my uh, humble show here and, uh, you know, hopefully, like I said, this is episode 24, you'll go back and uh, check out the other 23 episodes. Like I said, I've had interviews with Morasti, Sean McMorrow, Steve McIntyre, Joey Tedarenko. Like I said, it's enforcer-based podcasting, folks. So, yeah, you're not going to get any first-liners on the, on this show. But uh, 
other than that, uh, but thank you very much for tuning in. And, oh, also, YouTube, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. i got over 2,000 videos on there. Check them out. Subscribe. Hit the little bell notification. You won't miss a single punch. I'm always uploading new videos on there. Um, we've got Junior Pro, any league you're looking for. i got it all sorted. Just type in it, type it in, and uh, you'll find something unique for sure. And uh, also, if you're not on Twitter, or if you're on Twitter, check me out, Fourth Line Voice on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, like I said, and... Uh, I know I got to throw this in. I know we're always, uh, you know, here at the at the network. You know, they have sponsors, and uh, I don't want to go too corporate, but I do have to do an ad read, or I call it an ad suggestion. I know these podcasts. They, I'm not going to overload you with a whole bunch, but this one's actually pretty cool, and I I, I definitely want to get sponsors that are kind of uh, kind of like you know that that fit into the show theme and that type of thing i know a lot of a lot of followers on twitter and stuff and you guys are a big jersey guys i know hockey fans are always big jersey people and uh and this is a pretty cool uh sponsor deal actually it's from coolhockey.com and uh you know they've been around since 99 they're nhlpa endorsed and uh they're sponsoring the the hockey podcast network here so i'd check out if you use the code thpn the Hockey Podcast Network. You get 30% off and free shipping. And they're from Toronto. And like I said, I was at the mall there a while ago at Jersey City. They, you know, they had the jersey, you know, they had Crosby and Eichel and Carey Price jerseys. You know, all the real deals, sewing numbers, the whole thing. $300 they wanted for them. With this, they have all the jerseys, same thing. Type You can get any name you want, any number you want, whatever you want. Put God of Thunder 69 on them if you want, whatever. Hand sewn, fight strap, the whole deal. Same thing the guys in the ice are wearing. 180 bucks free shipping. How can you beat that? That's like half the price. You know, don't say I never do anything for you. So like I said, that helps out the network though. You know, Dylan and Isha, the boys, they're always, uh, you know, they're they're doing this on their own dime and trying to keep all of us idiots in line and, and uploading all our stuff. And, uh, you know, really they're just glorified babysitters, let's be honest. But, uh, <laughs> but so it helps them out, gives them a few bucks, and and what the hell, you guys are getting a good deal on a jersey, and it's helping support the network, and uh, you know, and and paying for for all the hosting and everything else. So you know, it's a it's a win win for everybody. So if you guys could do that, that would be really cool. THPN thirty percent off and free shipping. There you go, can't beat it with a stick. And uh, but other than that, folks, let's get rolling here. This is uh, my interview with Les Borsheim. And I hope everybody uh, has a good week, and I will talk to you again on Wednesday. Thanks, guys. A fellow Sasky, Les Borsheim. Les, how are you doing tonight? Good, brother. Pilsner Power. Absolutely. Good to hear from a 306 brother uh, back home. Absolutely. Yeah, got some Pilsner rolling tonight. And, uh, and uh, well, like I said, before we, well, before we got rolling here... Uh, I know you've done a few other shows. You're on uh, my boy there at the Biscuit, old William. I know you got you're on a little couple months ago, and uh, so I'll try not to I'll try not to double up on the questions. But uh, I think uh, you know what I like to do is always like just timeline the guy's career, and uh, you know, and we'll we'll you know let's go. We'll start it off here. Uh, so you you grew up in uh, Watrous, and I know you played your bantam in Humboldt, correct? Yeah, we uh, lived on a ranch, uh, 250 head of cattle, Simmental, 20 miles outside of Watchers, and then uh, eventually uh, that one tipped up, bankrupt, a couple of bad years, and moved to town. But yeah, it was about 45 minutes from uh, Humboldt, so at 14 just started traveling back and forth and staying with the family there if need be on a weekend, and I uh, played my phantom hockey in Humboldt with the Broncos. There you go, and then uh, and then you were uh, you played. Triple A midget in Tisdale. 
Yeah, and then uh, went up to Pittsville there with the Trojans and uh, played with them and had a few beauties on that team. We went to the max final and lost in overtime on a horse trick call that they scored a power play goal on. But, yeah, uh, Tisdale is a great, I mean, small community, Saskatchewan. Uh, we had uh, Justin Jack on the team, absolute beauty and weapon in the WHL. And uh, me and him obviously uh, bonded pretty quickly and uh, somehow figured a way to have our spares and time off school together and uh, we'll tear up Tisdale when we could. Justin Jack, there, boy, there's a name. Yeah, he... Uh... Yeah, he was a tough dude, man. And, uh, man, those Kelowna teams back then, did they have a type that they went for? Like, holy shit, you just think, like, Parker and Jack and Fedoric and then Fritz and, you know, it's just on and on, like, Millette. I mean, they had animals in Kelowna. Oh, yeah, and that small barn, too. Is my yep. first year, they had small barn still, and we got the fucking West Coast trip, uh, like, schedule. And we see, oh, fuck, thank Christ, we're not playing Kelowna this trip. Because that, yeah, that small barn had a rep, and obviously the guys they had on the team, it was just like fucking getting the line or just lethal weapons that uh, obviously could fight their full power and uh, punches. But, yeah, my first year uh, in Brandon, thankfully uh, Kelowna wasn't on our West Coast trip, but they did end up coming to Brandon to play us, you know, in return. Yeah, and like uh like you said, Cologne always had that always had a couple big dudes and uh yeah, well like so yeah, so you start off you're seventeen and you're at the you know, you make the Brandon Wheat Kings. Were you uh were you taken in the Bantam draft? No, I wasn't. I came back well from Tisdale, uh from playing triple A and actually went to the Moose Jaw Warriors uh evaluation camp kinda of in the spring. And one of Brandon Scouts, great guy, Al McPherson. Saskatchewan boy who knew his hockey was at that camp and shit I was uh, feeling good there it was a couple tilts and felt fast and scored a few goals and uh, obviously got his attention and then he listed me from that uh, with Brandon in the weekends yeah so that like yeah so in terms of the fighting and stuff like, I mean you know you're going into camp and stuff and I mean I'm sure in Bantam and in AAA I mean I'm sure you had some cage rage and everything with the gloves and stuff but of course uh uh, and now it's all of a sudden it's helmets off and shit serious. Now, were you? Uh, yeah. Were you like get? Did you get ready for that, or was it sort of like you know, jump right into the fire and let's see what happens, or uh, or were you kind of a scrappy dude to begin with? No, we had a we had a couple of Chelsea Tisdale. We had a bench clearing brawl at the end of the game. Like there was some fight, and I, my first scrap was in the humble. Uh, my first year double A hockey and I uh, fucking fought a kid from Acom and after the game we're at the same seven eleven leaving town because I'm driving back to Watchers, he's going back to Acom and I'm filling up my slurp and I look over, he's got a black guy and he actually uh, gave me a pretty good punch on the nose and I was feeding out of it pretty well. So started in Bantam, but he didn't think about it until uh, after Tisdale and obviously I went to uh some uh blade games and you see the boys there fucking uh Belak, and there's another weapon, Warner, like, you know the games, and you know what the WHO is about, because I've seen the game, and you hear the rap and everything, but yeah, so that summer when I got listed, obviously, uh, you're looking at it, and uh, first things first, you know, gotta get bigger, I was 6'2", but just strong as hell, so hit the weights pretty hard, and I, uh, you know, had some help as well, uh, getting bigger through the summer, and uh, felt strong going in, but 
you don't know what you're up against until you actually get up on the ice, like show up at Brandon, you got Wade Bratton skating with you before he went to Ottawa the year. Chris Dingman, he looked like a fucking football player on skates. I mean, huge. And so uh, you, you, you're all, it's all over your head. You don't know what you're getting into until you uh, lace them up and play. But, yeah, I knew uh, the rep of the WHL and obviously uh, how the hockey was played and how tough it was. Yeah, yeah. Well, I lifted weights. I laughed because my actually my first guest I ever had on the podcast was Josh Mazer, and we'll get into more about Mazer here because I know you guys went at it. But uh, he he said uh, for anybody listening out there that hasn't listened to the Mazer interview, I brought up Les's name, and he said, "Oh, from what I heard, biggest arms in the Western Hockey League. He had the guns." Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I worked hard and. Uh... Took the right vitamins and everything, but yeah, I had big arms. Somehow my arms blew up that summer before I went to Brandon and uh, uh, had the arms, but still pretty scrawny. And uh, but yeah, I just had big arms for some reason uh, before I went to Brandon and uh, Mazer. Fuck, that kid was tough. Yes, he was. Yeah, he. Uh, well, I say anybody that goes and fights Eric Goddard eleven times. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, that shit. He was fucking gold glove boxing like. Yep. Technically, he was good. I, I'll, I'll never claim to be a good technical fighter. I was like the old school, like, where you just go toe-to-toe. And, it's, you know, you think about grabbing and everything and twisting on jerseys and shit and balance and all that. But fucking, you know, Diablo, Yablonski, uh, another gold glove guy. Fucking Rocky Thompson, a gold glove guy. You know, and Mazer, I know what. I, I think he has gold gloves, but I know he was into boxing. And he was so fucking technical. And for his size, you know, he did really well. Yep. No, absolutely. Well, so you go into camp there, and I mean, you know, you guys, uh, you know, Brandon, you know, it's the dub, right? I mean, they're always tough teams, but I mean, you know, you had Van Owen and Aitken and Burke Henry and, you know, stuff like that. How was uh, your overall, your first year, um, how did you take to the Western Hockey League, and uh, what was your first impressions? Oh, I mean, this Brandon is a perfect city for junior hockey. I think they all are, you know, Moose, all those small towns were like, Obviously, in a city of that size, Brandon weekend, Saturday, you know, Friday nights, hockey in the winter, it's like religion. Everyone's at the rink. Everyone knows who you are, you know, and you feel like, you know, big dog. But uh, it's an eye-opener, I remember, fucking uh, playing with those boys. And uh, I broke my way in home opener. We had a few, we were playing Regina, and we had a few scraps, and all of a sudden I get out there, and fucking uh, Joe Bouvier, I had no idea who his kid yep. was, obviously. You know, and lines up with me. And I was like, "Do you want to go and spear them, or, or kind of go one under his crotch?" We went at it, and honestly, just I was throwing. You know, I didn't have a whole bunch of fights under my belt. Maybe four or five on the ice under my belt till that time, and you know, got him moving backwards and teed off on him and broke his nose. And I see blood, and I'm just like, "Holy fuck!" Like, crowd goes nuts. Home opener against the rivals. So uh, after that, you know. Uh, you kind of get thrown into the role, I guess, that I, you know, was a bit as an enforcer and, you know, looking to stick up for the guys. But uh, that was kind of the start of it all right there with that fight uh, against Blue and home opener in Brandon. Yeah, and anybody listening, if you want, go to the, my YouTube channel, Fourth Line Voice. That fight is on there, Les is talking about, with Smoke and Joe Bouvier. That, that video's up. I uh, suggest you guys check that out. But, uh, yeah, rolled, and of course, well, we gotta bring up, um, I know you talked about it on the William, on Williams episode, but your, your run-in with Stephen Pete. 
Oh yeah, but I still had a couple good straps between uh, after that, obviously. Yeah. Uh, uh, in the WHL and that red beer, red beer, uh, rebel game uh, was just fucking. It got out of hand, and then it was just like face off, fight, drop the puck, another fight. So then it was, you know, third period, obviously same situation going on, and fans are like four shine, four shine. Losey goes and tells me to line up on left wing. Well, I don't know. I line up on right wing, and that's where Petey was at. And I fucking drop my stick up into his, you know, throwing again, and, you know, we're going, throwing toe-to-toe. And, uh, you know, fuck, I I, I, really, I knew he uh, he had a rep because he had, I think he fought Rocky Thompson earlier on that year and was doing really good against some heavies as a 16-year-old yep. in the Western Hockey League. So, Lowe's, he knew that, right? So, he told me to line up on the other wing, but fuck, I didn't listen. I went to Petey's wing. And we went toe-to-toe, and I just remember fucking just feeling like a peeing off on him and hitting him. But then all of a sudden, I just remember holding nothing but jersey, and all of a sudden, his arm was free and out of it, and just fucking, boom, hit me right on my right on my uh, jaw, more my cheekbone, and fucking blew that up. I didn't believe, but then I was down on one knee, too, and dropped me or hit me again when I was going down. And, you know, it was a little... Uh, Hard to remember after that. I guess that was my first serious concussion uh, of my hockey career, and obviously it's kind of uh, weird with everything that's going on with Petey now and his uh, situation and coping and dealing with uh, life after hockey. And the concussions obviously are affecting him. But uh, yeah, that was a that was a good scrap. Loser, you draw like Kramer, McCrimmon, and Rose are like fucking kind of boy. Like you went toe to toe. That Petey kid is tough. You know, no worries. And then. I think we're going to Moose Jaw like two days later, and I'm in warm-up. And the tin can, fans screaming at you. It's just a hectic. Tin can was one of my favorite places to play, but... And I was just seeing, like, green dots and shit, like, literally fucking going up after warm-up. But thank God the trainer for the weekends actually took me aside, didn't play me that game, and they they sat me for, I think, a couple weeks. And, uh, you know, back in the day, uh, back then... That really wasn't a thing that uh, they usually, you know, just it wasn't as prevalent, right? There, like back then, so with concussions yep. and everything else, you're getting sat right away. But back then, it wasn't. You just play the game. But thankfully, you know, I had some pretty bad uh, effects from the PD knockout, and they uh, they sat me for a couple of weeks uh, from playing and shit. Yeah, well, that and you're like you said with the Red Deer team, like what? Well, yeah, like what a team that was. I mean, in terms of toughness, I mean, you know, you got Asham and. Uh, Mike Brown, and Lloyd Shaw, Brown, Brown. Van Horlock, and yeah, you know, and like even like their skilled guys, like you know B.J. Young, Greg Schmidt, Asham. I mean, they didn't fuck around either, you know. Yeah, dude. Uh, fuck, you know, actually, it's funny. I went to Red Deer's camp as like a real young kid, and uh, blew my shoulder out like fucking first scrimmage. Well, my fourth fourth shift, I went to hit a kid and separate my shoulder, and uh, obviously got sent home after that, but. What a town, yeah. And that was, you know, they, I mean, fuck the West, the West Side, Seattle, Kelowna, fucking Tri-City, all those teams were, were pretty fucking stout and loaded up. And uh, oh, yeah. Red Deer was a really tough team, like you just said, as well. You know, yeah. more in the Central and that held their own against those teams as well. Yeah. Well, I brought up the, well, I wanted to ask you, because I've asked a couple guys this, and with the Pete thing, when, especially for a young guy, so, you know, uh, when you get uh, knocked out like that, um, 
How how hard was it to come back and like get back on the horse and fight again? Were you really hesitant, or was it like I got to get right back into it, or were you kind of like, eh, I don't know if I want to do this now? Well, yeah, talking to Darren, like there was a bit there was a little gun shine. I think it was a big shaper kid from Calgary, and it was a little bit later that I first kind of tilted with uh, Apple. But yeah, you, you definitely get gun shine, but you got to realize. You know, if I had any idea who was fighting and Stephen P. fucked. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, eventually figure out if you're going to fight, you're going to lose. Yep. And, you know, obviously that one was pretty bad with the concussion and everything that happened and the side effects after. But, yeah, you know, I was gun shy after that. I'm not going to lie, fuck, getting a, a tattoo like that by P. Uh, you know, it'll throw a little uh, salt in your, your game a bit and uh, you're a little hesitant to get back at it, but... You're right. Like some guys will jump back on that horse, get get the fuck back out there, and throw it out again and start feeling good about it again. But yeah, I uh, honestly was a little hesitant getting back and uh, throwing down after that one. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, well, understandably, but uh, yeah, just like looking at the roster here and kind of some of the guys you played with. I mean, um, the one guy I wanted. To, I mean, you guys had a lot of talent on that team. I mean, Peter Schaefer and uh, you know Darren Van Owen and. Jonathan Aiken, you know, a first round pick and uh top ten pick too, I believe. Um Yeah, he was like fucking six or something. Big yeah. deal Aiken. Drive around Brandon and his uh mini boxer, but he was a great guy. Fucking he was tall, you know, and he could scrap if he wanted it, but get hockey play six five, mobile defenseman back in the day like that, yeah, fuck, he's gonna be a you know, high draft pick in the NHL. Yeah, yeah. Well, and another guy that was a high draft pick, and I always felt really bad because I remember watching you guys when you came here, and I mean, the dude was like legit, had skills. He could, you know, he didn't back down, but he could just never stay healthy with Stefan Trineski. Oh, God, that was my good buddy, too, and Brandon, man. Yeah. We, uh, we tore it up pretty good, but fuck yeah, he, uh, honestly, I think it was the second year where he, uh, was on that line with Schaefer and, Fucking just tore the league up almost like, I don't know if he reached 50 goals that year, but fuck, just a wicked shot off the wing, a good old uh, Manitoba boy, and uh, could shoot the puck and could skate really good. And, you know, he held his own. Like, so I think Brandon, uh, real back back in the day, obviously had Dave Samanko, some fucking heavyweights. But through my years with Brandon, I think it was more about just team toughness. Like, yep. next guy up, you know, we could just hold our own, we're physical, you know. A lot of guys that went back down, if it went that way and needed to, uh, we could back it up. But we never really had, like, Van Owen was a top guy, but could fucking play, too. Yep. So you didn't want him squaring off all the time and that risk. But, yeah, it's more about team toughness throughout, out, throughout uh, I think, my years in Brandon. They did a good job evaluating their talent and their toughness, and you had a nice little combination of both. Yeah, well, and like you said, being out in the East there, I mean, you know, every team had guys. I mean, you know, you're always playing Regina, and, you know, there you are with, like, Barrett Jackman and Jared Adams and Kyle Friedrich, and then Swift Current's got Arbez, and PA's got uh, yeah. Brunel, and it's like, yeah, there was no nights off for the dub back then. <laughs> That's a good name, Brunel. I haven't heard that one for a while, but, yeah, he was fucking sick and tough. And, yep. Yeah, well, Regina had, Regina had Kador, too, one, uh, one time, and I fought him on his there. Yep. Uh, with Regina. I was with the Raiders as well. I know the Kelowna, but yeah, they, and like that was our closest rival. Obviously, a five hour bus trip, our closest trip, which was kind of insane. Uh, you know, managing school, 
in the travel with Brandon being the most used team, fuck. It wasn't easy, dude, like getting home from the bus four in the morning, five in Manitoba, Winnipeg, Brandon. Some of the fucking coldest places I've ever been. Like, oh, yeah. It was cold, right? But they got this wind that's just gnarly and cold in Manitoba. So, um, it's a lot the first year and trying to juggle school and, uh, you know, uh, hockey career and getting home that late and, uh, being on the road that much. Uh, it was a tough balance. I mean, you definitely uh, dropped all your classes to general, uh, general math, you know, because it was hard to keep up uh, getting off the bus, like I said, from our closest trip to Regina, like four in the morning, go to school and then practice at one. It's, it's, it was, it was a grind. It was a grind, buddy. Oh, I never understood how how the, how the you you cats out and Brandon did it. And for the people listening, the American folks that are kind of wondering about the geography in the Western League, but. Yeah, so Brandon, it's about a town in Manitoba. It's the second, I believe, yeah, it's the second largest city in Manitoba. I think there's about, what is it, about 75,000 people, give or take? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, uh, Well, and like you said, the closest team is Regina, which is five hours. So, folks, there you go. That's the closest team is five hours. So, on average, like the miles that the Brandon Wheat Kings put on that bus every year, is unbelievable. Yeah, and it's sketchy weather in the winter too. Just yep. Ah, yeah, it's not. It was eye opening. Just a fucking charter bus sleeping on the floor. Guys crawling over each other. Uh, yeah, it, it was an eye opener. But man, I think about about it. You know, you have that decision whether you go college, play in the SA, yep. try to get a scholarship, whatever, or go to the WHL. You know, I was thinking about it a lot, but my dad was like, "Fuck it, you're going to Brandon." But we literally. Uh, went to blows about it in the driveway one day because he just dead set me go to Brandon, you know, because it's the best league fucking for that age group of hockey. And so you got to make that decision, and uh, I'm glad I did. The Western Hockey League was so much fun, so many good stories, so many good guys, you know, just even connections you have still to this day because uh, of the fucking wealth of talent and, uh, that was in the WHL and in that league. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, and then, uh, well, <laughs> so the next year, uh, we, we roll in, you're, you're 18, 97, 98, and there is a cat that joins the team that we gotta, I know you guys talked about it, you and William, but I gotta ask about Randy Ponte. Oh, yeah, he was a beauty, man. I don't know. It was my second year, and I don't know, it was about two months deep, maybe three months deep into the season, and they're like, hey, you get this kid from BC, a 16-year-old. And, uh, you know, the story was, we're getting him, getting him out of juvenile, uh, juvie, he was in jail, because he punched a kid so hard, made him go deaf in the air. Something happened where he got, you know, charges pressed against him, had to do his time. And this kid shows up, and, I mean, he's got the baggy pants on, the big silver chain, he's like, ah, oh, fuck this, fuck that. Kind of that gangster attitude, but, uh, you know, you wouldn't think a kid farm boy from Saskatchewan kind of bond with a kid like that. But, yeah, Ponte and me, I don't know. It's just something, you know, you got that characteristic or that attitude. Uh, we came pretty good tight friends uh, in Brandon. But, yeah, he came in and just, uh, I mean, what is his majors? He's up there in majors all the time in the WHL. You know, I think Paparazzi obviously has the most majors all the time. But Ponte is top five, I believe. 
in fighting majors in his career. Oh, uh, Ponte, Ponte's got a lead because he played five fucking years. You know, like Toporowski oh, only played two. So it's like, yeah, and it's like you look at, oh you know, you look at Ponte, and I mean, I think he had about 20-some fights every year. Well, there's a 100 and some right there. You know, it was just yeah. like, oh, it seemed like he played forever. It was like ridiculous. Well, yeah, and you know, that doesn't put Toporowski's career in. In the state of hockey back then, it kind of, uh, you know, grabs you because that's, like you said, Topper played two years and probably averaged, what, two majors every game almost with his uh, career out there in the pool. And, yeah, Ponce came in. It wasn't always honest. Ponce was aggressive. He jumped some yeah. guys, and he had some really good tilts toe-to-toe, but he just kept this one back down from anyone and uh, had balls of steel and came in, and uh, from day one, uh, that's how he played the game, and, uh, Obviously, uh, the fight, you know, that career he had in Brandon, he was a, he was a lifer there for that many years. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, Toporowski, yeah, 505 penalty minutes that one year. And, and actually the real, the real crazy thing with that is it's 505 and that doesn't include 10 minute misconducts. I know, that's the crazy stat about that. I mean, that's where you get a lot of pins sometimes in those tens, but. Oh, yeah. Toporowski, that's just fucking insane what he did there in Spokane. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, well, yeah, a couple of a uh, couple of your tilts that year. I mean, you, you know, you fought Jared Adams. I mean, there was another guy. He was always around in Regina. There, he played a bunch of years, and then, you know, uh, and I mean, he didn't take any shit either. Yeah, he's a solid fucking blue liner, like you said. Yeah, real physical and fucking. He just sent back down. A real good leader as well, too. But yeah, I remember uh, him getting a couple tilts against Brandon too, and. Uh, uh, playing against him, he was fucking uh, real uh, legit, real honest, and played hard. Yep. Well, then, of course, uh, well, you fought Big Mac, Steve McIntyre, when he was playing for Saskatoon. Yeah, yeah. he's a big boy, and I, I fucking uh, came to the front of the net there, tied up, and uh, threw down, fucking, he was just zip face, like zips all over his face, I think. I broke three zips open on his face, or his forehead there, but this, <laughs> you know, young boy, fucking... Tall, big bastard, you know, and obviously went on and did big things with his career with his size and how tough he was. But yeah, he was just a 16 year old there, you know, and had a couple of years on him. So that was a tilt I did get in that year with Big Mac Diesel. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, a couple other ones. You had Ryan Bonney in Saskatoon, and then, uh, yeah, Fedoric when he was in Prince Albert, and uh, and then Mazer when he was with Swift Current. Um, so yeah, yeah you, were, that- you weren't picking spots, that's for sure. No, I remember that one, too, at PA. I'll never forget that one against the door. Fucking hammered one of their players. And then, obviously, I, fuck, I was pretty gassed and went at the end of the shift. He comes up to me. Obviously, you know, you hit someone, you're going to fucking... Guy comes up to you back in the area and throw it out in a fight. That's just how you play the game. And, yeah, so I dumped my gloves and tried fucking, you know, kind of have my hands on my knees, trying to get my air back. We're fighting, going at it. All of a sudden, fucking Fridge has my right hand... or right hand tied up fucking with one hand or both hands somehow tied up with one hand and he's just peppered me you know with his fucking left and uh that's the first time i've ever seen that one guy with a one hand tied up both my hands and arms and i grab him keying off on me but fridge was another guy uh, i fought later on in uh, regina as well but uh real honest guy fucking played the game hard and uh ran into him in philadelphia as well later down in my career but uh just a good, uh, you know, farm boy who fucking played hard and could fight and 
obviously he had some losses, and if you're going to fight the big boys, you are, and that's what he did. But he was uh, obviously a fucking heavy in NHL and could hold his own. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, well, and we talked about Mazer, and uh, yeah, no, for sure it was. Uh, yeah, well, like you said, back then there was no uh, no shortage of dudes. That's for sure, uh, willing to go. And uh, so, yeah, it's like you would you would Ponte kind of uh, you know the tag team there. Um, the next, well, yeah, then we got we got Tooth later on as well. But yeah, yep. that's another. That's so I touched on with it before, but like my first year in the WHL, and uh, we're warming up separately like yep. before the game. You know. Back in the day, uh, they did it separately just because of the fucking all the line brawls and the melees before games that were happening. So they eventually made warm ups, you know, separate. So you got the whole ice you're using. You're pretty much fucking gassed after your warm up because you're doing full on, you know, laps around the rink doing these full ice drills and then you're coming back in and the, your legs are definitely ready. But yeah, that was a, another eye opener too. You know, we're, you know, we're warming up on our own and they're like, yeah, that's the way it is in the WHL. Just, because of what's happened in the past and just trying to keep it legit and under control. Yep, no, and absolutely. And like I said, watch, being here in Saskatoon, uh, <clears throat> I want that. Well, we talked about McIntyre, well, his partner there, Hordachuk. Um, I can remember when Darcy uh, first came in the league, and I mean, he w- he played like a Super Bowl, just running around, hitting everything. What was it like playing against him? Oh, fuck, he was a weapon. I mean, obviously, he did very well in his career, and, uh, just a complete game. I remember when I fought him in Saskatoon, fucking, uh, I caught one of their defense on the wheel and kind of clipped him. Wasn't clean hit, maybe a knee, and I'm skating down the ice, and he catches up to me at the at their blue line, and, you know, it's on, and we're chucking mitts, and I actually ended up breaking my uh, end knuckle in that fighting forty. but, you know, a guy, obviously a furry boy who could fucking fight both hands, and a legend in his own right, like how we, uh, Oh, he handled himself for a size. He wasn't a big boy, but boy, he was fucking absolutely nuts. Still, both hands. He, you know, a little bit more technical. Uh, really good. And obviously, the angle said, uh, Hardy fight will go down forever as one of the best ever. Yeah, well, the basic thing with that fight is that's Hordachuk's first pro fight, too, was that fight with Engelstad. That's opening night, I, that I didn't fight. Know that. Yeah, that's opening night. I yeah, I said, well, that's a hell of a way to come to the league. You take on, like, the champ, your first fight. Yeah, that might be one of the best. That's one of the best hockey fights of all time. Yeah. Well, I got, well, that McGratton fucking, uh, McGratton, who was it? Oh, Josh McGratton, Gratton and McGratton. And, uh, fuck, dude, that was a heavy one, too. Yeah. That was fucking the bombs. Yeah, Josh Gratton and Colt Moore is pretty ridiculous, too. Yeah. You got Tasker and Sand and, yeah. But it's going forever. That's a hard one to dial down. But yeah, the, uh, I mean, just fucking angle said in his attitude, uh, was pretty, I skated with him in the summer in Saskatoon. You know, he's doing his fight, uh, DVD one summer, uh, into my hockey bag. But just a fucking, one of the best guys, too, off the ice. Just hilarious. And, uh, fuck, he had balls and could fight both hands and was lethal. And he was another technical guy who could make you miss and then make you look like a fool with one punch. Yeah, no, I know Mel. Yeah, Mel's a good dude, and uh, yeah, one of the, you know, when it comes to minor league tough guys, well, just tough guys in general, but when they start kind of the minors and stuff, yeah, he's he's definitely an all-timer for sure. I mean, he, uh, 
he had the Houston legendary battles. Well, just to go off, you kind of mentioned his name before, but I know from talking to you over the years on Twitter, growing you were a huge Dave Semenko fan. So yeah, I had a, I had two brothers growing up, or half brothers, and uh, they're big Semenko fans. One played for the Broncos Junior, the in Hopwell as well. He was a meathead, kind of like me. Was pretty good at hockey, but was better at fighting and. You know, playing that role, but he loves Semenko. So, I was a Calgary Flames fan, actually, not an Oilers fan. So, I uh, they ended up getting me a Semenko Whalers jersey. <laughs> well, they, they just got me Whalers green jersey, and then they put Semenko on the back of it in the white tape. And that's what I used to rock in grass hockey and road hockey and on the ice. You know, when you're skating against your boys, I had the old Whalers Semenko jersey on. And I don't know, I fucking I, I loved them. And then when I was in Brandon, uh, they have this big gate between the visitors and our home uh, dressing rooms in the Brandon and the Keystone, and it's called the uh, the Semenko Gate because uh, supposedly there's a couple of times where he uh, lost his mind and went to the opposing dressing room, and or after a fight went over there when the guy was going off and tried to continue it. So they had this big gate put up between the dressing rooms because of that, and it was the uh, Semenko Gate to keep uh, guys from doing that anymore. That's awesome. Yeah, I was just going to say, you're a Sobeco guy, and you end up in Brandon. What a, that's uh, that's pretty funny. But uh, yeah, I know the one year here I'm looking, it was your third year. You only you played 27 games. Um, you left the team, right? Yeah, you know, I went, I, like I said, a lot of hockey and a lot of travel, you know, and a certain situation where I was a little burnt out. Just didn't have my head in the right right spot in space and told uh, McCrimmon, you know, I'll come back and uh, try this out. But, uh, you know, I was honest with him. And then he's like, you know, just stick around for a certain point and then, uh, you know, I'll give you a year of university fucking tuition or whatever. So I reached that point and it was like a couple of weeks, probably half a month, a month after that. And I was just like, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm just not feeling it and burnt out. And one of the stupidest decisions I ever made, you don't know where you're at how good you're playing until you lose it in the situation, you know, you held in, the, in your own hand and uh, ended up leaving the team and then went out to Vancouver. Had a girlfriend that was pretty crazy and ended up just traveling with her in Western Canada and ended up in Vancouver with her and literally my fucking uh, forerunner broke down and I had really not a whole bunch of money and I'm like, Kelly, pick up the phone. And I said, hey, you mind me coming back to Brandon playing and, uh, Ended up finishing the year up there, and you know it's horse shit because we didn't play all year, and our team ended up losing the first round, and it was a bad year, and it's a really poor choice on my uh, my part. But uh, it, it speaks to Kelly McCrimmon's character and uh, Bobby Lowe's, uh, you know, to understand, allow me to come back, and uh, super proud of what uh, Kelly McCrimmon's done in uh, in Vegas, man, unbelievable line for hockey, and. Uh, you know, really, you know, like well, that story kind of tells you how much he actually cared about his players. You know, he, uh, he gave me a great opportunity and uh, kind of understood. And uh, you know, he actually had your best thoughts and interests at hand, and uh, was trying to steer you in the right direction. But uh, a great man, and I owe a lot to Kelly McCrimmon. He is actually a guy uh, brought me back to hockey, playing pro hockey. I quit quit hockey for a year and was living in Calgary and I was just a bouncer and doing stupid shit and hanging out with the wrong crowd and, you know, uh, strippers, bikers, just, you know, that the people that hang out in uh, nightclubs and woke up had a crazy night and woke up one morning. I was like, I gotta get the fuck out of here and change my life. I'm phone Kelly McCrimmon and 
he calls up, he's like, let me see what I can do. And he uh, calls up Don Hay, who was coaching in Utah for their AAA team at the time, and says, hey, talk to him. And Hay's like, you know, I remember him. I'll give him a tryout. I uh, tryout in Utah, and that kind of started my pro career. I went to Oklahoma after that. But, yeah, I owe a lot to Kelly McCrimmon, a uh, good man. And I uh, talked to him still. I texted with him the other day and told him about congratulating him on the uh, CM job in Vegas. Yeah, well, and, that, and that's really cool that, uh, you know, um, that he let, you know, come back and didn't hold it against you. And I mean, well, and you were there the next year as well. So it's like, uh, yeah, like you said, that says a lot for sure. Um, you know, your final year in Brandon, again, you, you played the 31 games. Did you get hurt? Yeah, I uh, fucking uh, beagle um, for a fifth turn. Little guy just fucking a tank. Blocked me behind the net. I passed out, like, air knocked out of me, unconscious, came down my ankle and fucking twisted my ankle, which is one of the worst fucking injuries in hockey. Like, he can play his broken foot, but you got that high ankle sprain. It's really hard to get in the boot and wheel around there. So, yeah, that held me back, and then I had a shoulder injury at the end of the year as well that I limited my games uh, that year in Bradford. Yeah, like you said, the uh, yeah, the ankle, that... Uh... Yeah, that, those are always tough ones. They never heal right in time, right? And, of course, in the middle of the season, you don't have time. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it was funny. As I was kind of going through your uh, your fight card, oh, actually, one of the names I wanted to ask you about, and and he seldom gets talked about, but he was a tough bastard in Swift Current, and Josh and I were talking about him on the episode, it was Dean Sardachny. Yeah, man. And, I, you know, I don't... I, I thought I got in a tilt with him against Swift Current. It was like, it was one of those games that was a blow. I, you know, and fucking blood dropped, and it was a quick one. We just, like, hit the ground pretty quick, and I ended up on top of it. That's the guy uh, that was a weapon for Swift Current, too, a really tough kid, and, a, you know, a guy who you're definitely aware of when you played him against. So they had an Orzy and him, too. Fun. Yeah, well, they had, and, Matt, and Matt Summerfeld. Yeah, and him, too. It was fucking... There is no shortage. Like you go back, it's crazy. Oh yeah, the lineup. Yeah. Well, uh, before we get into pro, I mean, you played a year of uh, college hockey at uh, CIS at the University of Calgary. Um, <laughs> how was that? Uh, and that's really good hockey and everything. But how was that for a transformation? Because now you can't fight, and how frustrating! No, how there. frustrating was that hockey? That's the best word for it, Darren. Like fucking. And there's a bunch of guys, like, from the WHL, obviously, you played against, and they're out there against you, and you know they can't fight, so they're fucking from that, chirping you, cheap shots and shit, and you fight, you're done for the weekend. Like, yep. one fight, they kick you up the next game, I think it was, some fucking ridiculous like that. So you're right, that was the most frustrating thing about that year of college hockey, was fucking having these rats or guys you played against that, you know, no tough guys really went on. You know, most of the big heavies went on to pro careers right away after, but there's just a bunch of rats and little fuckers that knew that you couldn't really fight, and they're out there poking at you and just stirring shit up, and they knew they could get away with it. So frustration was probably the uh, best word for that year of hockey in that in the sea, you know, with the University of Dinos that year. Yeah, so is it just, uh, you know, you played a year of that, your friend, you know, uh, was it just like, I'm going to go, like, forget school and everything and just go bounce and hang out and whatever? No. 
Yeah, I don't know. Fucking, I just, I don't know what the hell. I just, yeah, like I said, kind of started hanging out with the wrong people. When started bouncing at the bar, you know, and then topless waiting, and one thing leads to another, and you're, like I said, you're hanging out with the wrong crew. I went out for one, uh, one uh, men's league game with my girlfriend's uh, sister's husband. Ended up getting a tilt and that, and they kicked me out in one game, and uh, I was done there and played one game that winter. But yeah, uh, like I touched on, uh, Kelly McCrimmon kind of pulled me out and uh, helped me out when you know when I was at rock bottom and needed to change my path. Uh, he was there for me, and uh, you know, probably honestly, could have saved my life possibly if I look back. No way I was going in the direction, but honestly, changed my life for a positive and got me back involved with the game I love, which is hockey. No, uh, yeah, absolutely, and uh, yeah, so it's, uh, so yeah, so you kind of take the year, you find yourself, you're the, you're the, you're the topless, you're the topless waiter, you get the whole nine, and then uh, uh, you end up in Oklahoma City, so you're now you're down yeah, south with, with old, uh, old Sauter there, and I mean, Oklahoma City over the years, I mean, that basically is Team Saskatchewan down there, with all oh, the Oh, fuck yeah, so funny, right, like. Dougie loved his sassy boys, and it was, I mean, honestly, half the team was from Saskatchewan. I had a couple college kids, the random Euro that barely lasted or ever fitted in with a group like that. And it, it was dominated by Saskatchewan kids, and they won a couple championships yep. uh, before, you know, this, the way the game was back there and the grit and shit. But Dougie, uh, Dougie Sauter was a, he was a unit. He was a special guy in that. He could barely skate. I think he was a goalie in fucking uh, Prince George Penticton back in the day when he was in the WHL. Just a goalie and then transferred right away to coaching when he was really young. But that uh, guy who really didn't do actions and O's just uh, kind of pushed buttons. And uh, he was he was funny. He was a good guy at heart. He really cared about his players. But uh, hockey and O's and actions and O's, uh, there was not a bunch of game planning. It was just, you know, Dump the puck, get it back, be tough, score more goals than the other team. But yeah, like setups, power plays, breakouts, shit like that. Uh, you know, he wasn't too uh, too keen on, and uh, did do a whole bunch of coaching that way. But uh, you know, he took care of his boys, and obviously a lot of them were Saskatchewan boys. So um, it was a fun year. They're year and a half uh, in Oklahoma City. Uh, it was a good uh, good transition, a good start to my pro career. Yeah, well, like you said, I mean, it just you know, you get Standish and Shields and Fleck and friggin' Marco Cefalo and Dumba and all them. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, what a crew that is, I'll tell you. Yeah, no, a lot of sassy blood in that lineup, but uh, you know, we had some success and it was fun. Fuck, man, like I go to Oklahoma City and literally, I think we were average eighty five hundred people. I remember playing on Christmas Day against Wichita arrival, and I'm like, fuck, playing on Christmas Day, no one's gonna show up get to the arena, and I'm like, holy shit, there's some people here, and then come up for the puck, the drop of the puck, and there's fucking 15,000 people there at the arena watching hockey in Oklahoma City on Christmas Day. It's, yeah. It is nuts. I mean, they, uh, they didn't know a whole bunch about their hockey. Obviously, they love their fighting and, uh, you know, that sort of thing, but man, did they ever support? It's the only pro hockey, really, or pro sport. There at the time, they had their football, the Sooners, but other than that, uh, it was uh, it was the Oklahoma City Blazers. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, yeah, they, uh, you know, like you said, they put a, you know, tough product out and a winning product. And when you're the only game in town, I mean, yeah, they're, uh, you know, talk to other guys that played down there and they loved it. It was that uh, the owner took care of everybody and, uh, you know. Yeah. yeah, it was a good deal. And they're like transferring from Saskatchewan, uh, you know, to Oklahoma, some good down, wholesome farm people uh, down there, obviously. And, uh, you know, it was, it was fun. I enjoyed Oklahoma City and the friends and people I met there. Uh, still stay in touch with. So it, it was a good choice, and uh, it worked out for the best for me. Yeah, and like you said, like and and again with the the old Central League. I mean, there's no no shortage of toughness. I mean, I just kind of looking up a few names that even like from the it, just in your division you guys played against. I mean, while well, past guest on this show, Todd St. Louis, he was an Amarillo, and uh, you know you had DeSantis and. Uh, Neil Pasilico and Dallas Anderson and Jordan Fladell and yeah, there's some tough dudes down there. Yeah, Fladell was on my Triple H team with Justin Jack and uh, yeah, there was I mean fucking old good old Dallas Anderson. That's the name from the past. Jesus, is he a fucking? He was more of a rat. He was a six five, six four rat on I you know, but he would fight. But he uh, he was pretty good at getting under your skin as well uh, on the ice. But yeah, they had some legit guys. Riley Cote ended up fighting uh, my yep. first year in Oklahoma City. He was with Memphis. And fuck, who was the, oh, God, who was the brother? I can't remember his name. Sasha Lakovich's brother. Yeah, I, Woody, are, you, are you reading my notes? That was my next question. Greg Lakovich. No, yeah. man. That, that was a good tilt, dude. Fucking, I was running around pretty good that game. And, uh, yeah, we had a good little tilt. I fucking, you know, back then, you looked at the, you know, notes. And you knew that the most pins on the team and shit like that. But Lakovic, he only played so many games that year with Memphis, and I had no idea, but fuck, I knew he looked like a fucking tough hombre, right? Yep, he he's is. He's out there, sick as fuck, he's got that death flare on him, and uh, ended up fighting with him. We had a real good tilt there in Memphis. Well, another guy you fought, well, an old dub boy out in Seattle was uh, Justin Osachuk. I know you fought him a couple times. Yeah, he was in Tulsa, right? I yep. think, uh, yep. right. So, yeah, another guy uh, just showed up, fucking saw a dude who, uh, you know, didn't take many spots, fought whoever was in front of him and played the game honestly, and uh, had a lot of respect for him, but he ended up uh, getting a couple of tilts with him as well. Yeah. Actually, I forgot to, I was going to ask you, while you were going back to your Brandon, um, were you, uh, you, well, you were undrafted, um, but did you not, you were in, was it Coyotes camp? Did you go to Phoenix? Yeah, uh, after my first year in Brandon, yeah, I yeah. had a pretty good year and I interviewed with a bunch of NHL teams uh, after because, you know, uh, not, not bad year, nothing crazy good. But yeah, Phoenix gave me a tryout. Funny thing is, I actually, uh, my brother uh, got together with this girl, it's Shane Dolan's uh, family, and knows them in Stetler. So I went to my niece's uh, graduation in Stetler and kind of ran into Shane Dolan before I went down to Phoenix. Um, and talked to him at the graduation, but yeah, I ended up going down to Phoenix and uh, was down there, and he kind of took me under his wing a bit. Uh, we went up to supper one night, and uh, I always remember us just sitting there, uh, fitness testing, and standing in line for that DO2 and the bike test, and I'm just sitting there, and I obviously could see uh, I was a little bit nervous or something, he comes up to me, he's like, hey, I've never seen a, seen a bike store going kid, so I was like, ah, oh, fuck light in the low, but what a guy that guy is and what a leader he was at uh, Phoenix. But yeah, I had a tryout there and uh, 
We had some, fuck, there's a suitor, a couple Western Hockey League boys, uh, Jason Doy, uh, was down there. He played in the uh, Quebec League, but another tough kid, and, uh, there's a tough camp and, uh, eye opener. She had a great time, uh, down there in Phoenix, hot weather, and, uh, it was one of their, you know, one of their first years there in Phoenix, so, it was a good experience. So yeah, I went to Phoenix after my first year in the Dallas trial. Now, when you go to a camp like that, it, you kind of look and it's like, like holy shit, I got a lot of work to do. You know, like is there a like a were you surprised? Was like there a big separation, or was it like uh, did it seem attainable? Well, you know, I was a rookie camp, so you're just being, you okay. Know, you can't get yeah, yeah. Or, so it's just rookie camp. So you're out there, and you know. Plugging along, honestly, like my first year in Brandon, uh, when I was in Phoenix trying out, everything's just over your head. And you really don't even grasp or hold on to the opportunity or where you're at or who you're playing against. You're just out there trying to do your best. And when you're looking back on it now, you're like, Jesus, you know, you real shot, real opportunity. We're up against some stiff competition, and, you know, you did pretty well for yourself. But yeah, everything's over your head, and uh, you know, you're just trying to do your best at the time. Uh, when you're put in certain situations like that where you're, you know, you're obviously just trying to make a name for yourself and maybe trying to make the team. No, yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, just, uh, yeah, well, we'll go back to Oklahoma City here, but before that, um, just looking back on, on your career in Brandon, was there, um, do you ever have the feeling, I mean, every, you know, everyone's got the coulda, shoulda, woulda, but looking back on it, do you think you should have fought more? Oh, yeah, fuck yeah, Darren. I mean, you look back on it, you should have that edge a bit longer. I mean, you know, in all my interviews that first year after the NHL teams, you know, that's, they, you know, they think you put up some points, but they knew that was the edge of your game that uh, you had in you because, you know, you had some success and some fights with, you know, some bigger names and whatnot. And, yeah, you wish, uh, looking back, obviously, you should have cut it. You wish you were uh, dropping the miss a little bit more on regularity and, uh, sacrificing like some of the boys did obviously they're you know they knew what they were good at and they grasped the role and they just fucking went at it hard yeah you know and that's how boys uh got that open the door into each other you know what i mean so yeah, yeah. i looked at that honestly i wish i would have fucking uh realized what i had you know and where i was at and uh made a little more conscious decision to be a little bit more aggressive and uh go down a bit more well, it was kind of, it was always, cause I can, I remember watching you play and everything else, and it was, uh, and, and looking back on it, it was always like, cause you're a big dude, you could fight, you could do it, I mean, you proved that you weren't, you know, you could obviously fight, but it was almost like you were that tweener, right? Like it was, yeah. you weren't, like you weren't Joe Rockhead, like you weren't some meathead, like they played, you played all the time, but it was just like you were on that, you were in that middle, right? You weren't the enforcer, you were just like the rugged D guy. But it was like you were yeah. right on that line, right? Yeah, until I really came down to pro hockey here in Oklahoma, started obviously, and then throughout my career a bit in the uh, minor pro circuit, I kind of fucking realized this is a role and this is what I'm going to have to do to pay the bills. So I fought a bit more, but yeah, through junior hockey and all that, you know, it's something that I should take advantage of and maybe uh, uh, been a little more. Uh, after it, uh, going down and trying to make a point of, uh, being a tough kid. But, you know, there's always a role about sticking up to your teammates, and I was always there if asked. Yep. You know, you know, take the momentum of a game, whether it's a big hit, playing aggressive, or going and, you know, getting a fight. Uh, 
you know, there's a time and a place, and, uh, you know, I knew when to do it. But, yeah, exactly. I think I should have did a, a little better job of throwing down and fighting a bit more, and probably would have got the doors open a bit more for me after that uh, last year in Brandon, or my fucking even my second year in yeah. Brandon, and then got an opportunity with the, uh, another NHL tryout. Yeah, well, then, but then it's like, then the problem becomes, though, it's like, you just get, then all of a sudden you get pigeonholed, right? You know, and it's like, and then you sometimes you run the risk of, oh, they're going to put me up front and I'm going to get, you know, dummy minutes and five shifts, right? It's like, no one really wants that either. Yeah, you know, I know, I, I, obviously, I, when I came out pro, it changed a bit different and, uh, kind of knew that was my role, but Brandon didn't realize it. Like I said, we had team toughness as well. The real beauties with a team that could fight, but yeah, you don't want. I mean, you just gotta go with what you're good at, and yep. uh, don't want to get pigeonholed, obviously, and like label as just a fighter. You want to have an all around game, but you gotta do there and what it takes to uh, get to the next level. And uh, you know, a lot of could have should have with me looking back on my career, <laughs> especially taking with the year off and all that bullshit. But uh, you know, whatever. Uh, played some minor pro hockey, made a living for a while, and uh, had two NHL tryouts, so. Can't complain too much about what I've done with the old career. No, absolutely, aid yeah, for sure. Um, well, so you go back the next year to Oklahoma. You played 16 games, and I mean, of course, the legend. Uh, you know, you you end up uh, getting into a tilt with Brent, tough dude Brent Thompson, and uh, you catch him with one, and uh, and then next thing you know, you're getting the call to Philly with the Phantoms. Um, yeah. And and uh, I know we th- we we briefly touched on it, but uh, you go up to the American League, and I mean, you look at that team. I mean, you're like about fourth on the depth chart there in toughness. I mean, you know, you got Baruby and Stock, and the Vandermeers are there, and uh, it's just it's ridiculous. Yeah, it was uh, it was absolutely insane that team. Uh, Jimmy had just got traded before they called me up, and they had just had that. Uh, Big blowout brawl against Bennington, I guess, uh, where Neil Little comes down the ice and yeah. flies over the pack. So they had a game coming up against them uh, pretty quickly, and Jimmy got traded. So, yeah, I remember my first game looking around that dressing room and uh, got Craig Ruby, obviously a guy I fucking looked up to his, his past and what he did. I mean, he had nothing but respect from everyone, and that, you know, Pistol Pete Vandermeer, who I didn't know a whole bunch about, but got to because of the way he uh, went through that season, led the league in Tim's and made just fight anyone. And then TJ Stock as well, obviously, who I knew about. The fight with PD is going to go down forever, and the way he played the game in Boston and a little bit in New York. Uh, yeah, you're getting in the line uh, for a fight, and it was, it was nice. I mean, team toughness like that was too extreme. The NHL back there was a little bit crazy. Oh, like, yeah. Fucking dumb. Oh my god! Like every team was almost built like that. Four, you know, four guys who were legit heavy, deep, uh, that would fight and could do the job. So it was a. I remember looking around the dressing room my first game there when I got called up and see cheap size skates, skates, and then fucking PJ Stock there, and you know, and then I go out there and fuck. I remember warm up. It was in Hershey and. Getting around, stretching out. Next thing I know, I look up and Boyd Kane is at the blue line pushing with some kid. Boyd Kane is the guy he played against in Regina. Hated him. Was tough, but played the game phase and and stuff. So I'm like, fuck. I'm going to get out there, obviously. You know, it doesn't matter if I don't know him or I haven't played with him. Get out there and push this other kid. Next thing I know, fucking touch on this with uh, 
the biscuit, but fucking crowd turns around, I got a fucking stick in my face, and it's uh, Bonzi from Hershey. And then the next thing I hear, coming in from me, like, get the fuck out of here, Bonzi, and it's fucking Craig for Ruby, and then it's PJ Stack, like, that team was ridiculous and stacked with toughness, and like you said, you had to almost get in line to get in a fight, uh, and it was a nice thing to have, I mean, obviously, but Back then, the AHL was an absolute jungle, and you needed that to uh, have success every night almost. Yeah, well, like you said, you guys are out in the east there, and it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, you just, you know, I mean, uh, Bridgeport had Graham Belak, uh, Wade's little brother, um, you know, David Kochi and Wilkesbury. I mean, you had Bonvi, you had McGratton and Binghamton, and, you know, Skurlak at Albany. It's just like it never ends. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Skrillex, like, probably the biggest head I've ever seen in my life, but yeah, there's just so much stuff back in the day, and uh, the East was full, but a lot of Western Hockey League boys, too. Yep, yep. Um, I mean, McGrath obviously wasn't, but there's quite a few, obviously, uh, that are out there um, from the West that were representing in the AHL at that time. Hey, How did you get along with John Stevens? Judy, absolutely great guy. Um, coach, obviously, uh, he knew his ex and O's, knew how to push buttons. But uh, you know what? There's another guy who fucking really cared, you know, at the end of the year when I ended up leaving. You know, he fucking literally calls me and like, you know, come over uh, for supper with me and my family. You know, and just went over and he talked to me like a man. And, uh, you know, we parted ways and I left Philadelphia. But, Unbelievable dude, so hockey smart, but uh, another guy who uh, knows how to push the buttons, but just another fucking guy who really cares about his players. Um, you know, he knows it's a game, he's winning all that matters, but uh, a guy that I think, uh, you know, that I remember and be very fond of. Moving on, and, you know, love watching him in NHL and getting his opportunities, and obviously I hope he gets another kick at it uh, to be an NHL coach. No, absolutely. Um, well, I got before we leave Philly, I got to ask you about Peruby. It's like, is he uh, is he always serious? <laughs> Does he ever actually oh. smile? I don't know. I don't think I've ever oh. seen him smile. Dude, his fucking one liners are hilarious. <laughs> one of the funniest guys. Oh, dude! I remember we got off in Cincinnati. to a bus, and they're like fucking Borshine Peruby, and it's like, oh fuck. Are you kidding me? Like, fucking pretty much in shock, you know, in awe of the guy. And checked uh, his brain. You know, we went out to a nice supper and got some wines. Uh, nice meal. PJ stops sitting down. And with Craig Ruby, And I'm just like, holy fuck, like, where am I right now? Like, this is pretty insane. They come back to the hotel room and just taking his brain about fights. And, uh, you know, he was, you know, let me know about everything. And I asked him for one piece of advice. And I hear him using still today, but one piece of advice, like, how did he do it? So I was curious, like, kid, never too high, never too low. Stay right in the middle, right in that even keel. And uh, he's a guy, why St. Louis is doing so good. You know, if you're a man, uh, you give everyone else respect until they lose it or do something not to earn your respect. Yep. Craig Ruby, Craig Ruby is a president of a guy that you're trying to earn his respect for some reason for what he's done and the career he's had, and just how, you know, just kind of score and how he walks around and uh, handles himself. You're, uh, you're trying to earn his respect, and I think that's what the fucking, when he went to St. Louis there and had the coach, all those players, 
obviously uh, just trying to earn his respect. He's really brought them together, obviously, and what he's doing there is crazy. But, uh, no, Chief, fuck, he has great one-liners. That was something I'll remember from my uh, road, road roomy stories of him. This fucking pretty funny guy. And, obviously, dude, you want to mess with us. I remember sitting on the bus, and I think Stalker, someone's like, Chief, why did you never throw any uh, left hands? He's like, I never fucking had you. Fuck his buddy. He was a good dude, and I'm so proud of him. And what he's done, uh, you know, with uh, the St. Louis Blues, another guy, too, Rocky Thompson yep. in Chicago. The guy ran into the beginning of this year, and uh, uh, what kid does he have on the team? The tough kid that uh, Glant. he has brothers. Glant. Yeah. So, you know, I was like, fucking Glant got in a fight with uh, the kids for us that night, and, um, you know, then the Rocky in the bowels of BC after the game before he got on the bus, you know, and told him about the story when uh, I was in Brandon and fucking came down on him as nice and calm. And this is our road trip going out there, and I remember it was nice and calm. Went back, he touched up with the blows, and we're kind of skating back. and get this cap cross-check on the back of my back and look, you know, turn backwards. And kind of gliding backwards, and he's like, "You want to be a fucking heavyweight? You gotta come through me, kid." And I literally remember looking at the bench, and Bobby Rose is giving me the biggest red light, like this fucking, "No, fucking, don't do it." <laughs> and uh, but yeah, I talked to Rocky. It's just amazing seeing all these fucking so-called meathead stuff guys, you know, that play the game, play it the right way, that are coaching or in broadcasting or moved on in hockey and uh. Obviously, we're pretty fucking smart at hockey and uh, have some uh, charisma to do the radio, do TV and whatnot, but a lot of the guys that move up, um, Tim Hunter, another fucking guy. Yep. Amazing. Yep. You know, like, so nope. it's kind of fucking funny. I mean, I know some tough guys that are meatheads that fucking went last fucking two days coaching a team, but for the most part, you know, you move on here in my career and seeing all these guys and it makes sense. And uh, what Craig Berube is doing in St. Louis is uh, pretty special and unbelievable. Oh, guys, a win away from the Stanley Cup from last place to a uh, Stanley uh, game out of Stanley Cup. It's hard to believe. And then Rocky, I mean. Yeah, fucking, he's, he's got a right here, a couple sassy boys on that team. Yep. Chief at the helm. You know, I'm a fucking diehard Bruins fan, too. So I'm going to talk about I love Cam Neely growing up as well. You know. Uh, oh, for sure. I'm a Bruins diehard, but fucking right now, I don't know. Flip a coin, and I, I hope Chief does it in the Blues night because it's a great story. Absolutely, and then like, and then with Rocky, I mean, they're a couple wins away from the Calder, and I mean, the dude's already won the Memorial Cup as a coach. I oh, mean, fuck. right two years ago, yeah, wins the Memorial Cup, steps in here, and now he's in the fucking Calder Cup. So uh, you'll be, I think you'll be seeing Rocky behind an NHL bench here pretty quick. Yeah, I think that's pretty safe to say, and it just speaks to the fucking, like I said with Chief, it's something you're trying to earn his respect. Yep. You know, you don't, you give respect, obviously, but probably the same as Rocky, you know, he means kid to come into there, drinking protein shakes and fucking play college or whatever, and don't play that role or have any idea what Rocky went through and how tough he was. And they, they, they have respect for him, and uh, that's something that Coach needs, and Honestly, they need to know how to push buttons, X's and O's as well. But uh, I just love seeing the uh, all these so-called meatheads and tough guys that were uh, these dummies on the ice that fucking can coach and take a group of kids and players and bring them together and play some fucking good hockey and win championships. No, absolutely. 
Well, the next year is 0405, and this is an interesting year. You're in Quad Cities in the United Hockey League, but it's also the year of the lockout. Uh, how did that, um, like, what was the whole, and I know uh, everybody's seen the video with uh, Chelios and Avery and Hatcher and them in, motor, in, uh, in the, uh, where were they playing, Motor City or whatever it was? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and all that shit. Um, what was it like at that time, with, like, when the NHL guys came down and were playing in that league? Were you guys, uh, how were they received, and what was kind of the vibe in the locker room about it? Well, you know, fucking, they're taking spots with minor leaguers who, obviously, so it was kind of, you know, looked down a little bit, frowned upon, but fuck, it was kind of funny at the same time playing against guys like that, you know, on a night where you're in a fucking, I mean, Quad Cities, the fucking Iowa shithole, really, it was, it was a terrible year, it was an awful spot, you know, good fans, unbelievable fans, and, you know, real blue collar and all that, but. Honestly, cold winter, uh, you know, being from Saskatchewan since we used to that, but it was a miserable winter. And then, yeah, I remember that, you know, you look at the lineup and, uh, Darian Hatcher, fucking Chris Chelia, Sean Avery. There's some other guy too, but I forget another NHL European and on that team as well. But, uh, yeah, guys weren't too pleased because it was taking spots from other guys, but at the same right, it was pretty fun. And that league as well, Danbury, that was even a craziest. It was Danbury. That fucking team. Yep. Was insane. Well, Thank God I was I was suspended for when they came to Quad Cities that one time because we never went out east there to play them. But fuck, that's uh, funny. I can't wait for that movie to come out. Yeah. No, that'll be something. What a story. And oh yeah, with Winger and Morasti and uh, Roman Nadur and uh, what a shit show. Well, too at one time. What's that? I thought they had Stephen Pete too at one time as well. Yes, they did. I don't think he played a whole bunch of games, but they had signed him and all that. But yeah, fucking this insane. Oh shit! They had Bi- Lois showed up too. Oh Jesus, the animal. Yep. He was he was a legend in Philadelphia, man. Oh. Yep. Absolutely. Well, Garrett Burnett, they had him too. Chad Wagner. Oh my god. Yep. Pretty scary looking lineup right there. Yep. Well, there's a few cats. Uh, yeah, well, you kind of, like, with the, on Quad City, I mean, you're back, you know, Standish is there. I mean, you know him and stuff. But, I mean, yeah, uh, Dave Stewart, I mean, he'd throw down 300 minutes. Oh, fucking, yeah, where's he from? Stash, Nova Scotia there, and there's how many fucking Bonnabies from there? There's about fucking. Oh, the Maritimers, or, man. What's that? Summerfield? The, oh, them Maritimers are crazy. Oh, I know, but that town, especially, too, but, like, four fucking guys and Dave Stewart was from there, and these kids are just brought up that way, and, fuck, he was a gamer, man. He would, just like kids, obviously, he wasn't big. He'd play guys bigger than him. He'd throw both hands left predominantly and would catch guys uh, with the left, you know, surprise them. But, yeah, he was a he was a gamer, but could play the game. They often play the game hard, too, as well. But we're fucking so tough. Yeah, well, when we were just talking about the glance, I mean, that's where they're from, right? You know? Yeah, it's insane how many tough guys come out of that town. It's like, what the fuck is in that water there, out there? It's it's pretty crazy from one spot. How many yeah. legit fucking uh, tough guys come out of there? I know, I was, I was talking, I was, I think it was Brett Gallant on Twitter. I kind of, I told him, I said, if you and your brother were any tougher, you could be from Saskatchewan. 
Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, we got them for sure. <laughs> well, what uh, like what happened in Quad City that was so uh, that you just it was just just the vibe like it was kind of an off was it an off ice thing you just weren't feeling it that year or like what happened? Yeah, fine. Well, I, I think just more of my surroundings and this town and the off ice activities and yeah, it was like two big intersections that intermixed there and truckers and. Fucking about ten strip joints and shenanigans uh, yep. like that that kind of held me back. Obviously, you know, I like some of my off ice activities, that, you know, after games and whatnot, too much. To some point, and yeah, it's just you know, it's just one of those years where I started out in Milwaukee, had a good chance, fought a guy, tore my cartilage, and then actually got sent down to Rockford. And Steve Martinson, fucking, you know, straight dude. You know, coach gave me a really good contract, and then so he's like, you know, try out here. He did a weekend there, ended up uh, rooming with that Ralph kid uh, that <laughs> played for him. That's been on the video. Funny dude, but they had a party and got out of the hand, and something happened. So I'm like, fuck it, I'm going down the road to Quad City. So that was offering me uh, pretty much the same contract, but I knew Marty Sanders there too, and uh, went there instead. Yeah, what? That, that's a, that's another minor league city that fucking loves their hockey and good people. Yeah, like well, uh, yeah, it was a real shame to see them lose their team because I know they, uh, you know, through all the years when you were there, and then you know, to, well, the, speaking of Toporowski, I mean, he's I think he's still there. I think fucking Diesel was there too. Stacker, yep, Diesel was there. Backy's our big pack. Yep, yep. There's some tough guys as well, but yeah, I mean, the U-Haul, fuck, man, it was such, like, plain and flint, the travel, the bus rides were ridiculous. Paul Gillies, the coach me there, unbelievable dude, loved him, like, fucking a guy who knew the game and, like, could really motivate, was good to his players, but it was just a rough year. I don't know, just the travel and everything, uh, made a lot of money as a minor leaguer there, but uh, it was just one of those years where, uh, the travel and fucking playing in Flint and years being dumped on you. Some good stories, but just, just crazy road trips, like fucking three games and three nights every weekend almost. And then you get home and there's sometimes we get home and the team would be already there that we're playing against one of the home team. You know what I mean? Like we're traveling so far. The schedule is so fucked up, but still minor pro hockey, you know, fairly good. And it was tough and uh, it was fun. Uh, the fans were really good there as well. Yeah, well, and then like you said, I mean, the, uh, you know, and, and certainly there's no, uh, like, again, no shortage of toughness in uh, in that league. And, uh, you know, I mean, you know, and I know uh, Missouri was in your was in your division. And, I mean, you know, they had a few of the NHL. I mean, they had Barrett Jackman was playing with them at the time and Jamal Mayers. And, you know, they had Quentin, yeah. Van, Quentin Van Horlock and George Cantrell and Dennis Vial was there, you know. Well, I mean, I got to play with Salvador. For Jersey was there too, or no? Where was he? He was somewhere else. Bryce Salvador ended up fighting him in the U all that year as well. But yeah, fucking uh, Missouri loaded up on some guys. Yeah, Frank Frank Little, Frank Little John. There's another guy. He was around forever. Oh, fuck, that was a guy who could fight though too as well. Fuck. Yeah, well, there. Yeah, and then there's a guy. I mean, he's been around forever. I mean, uh, he he played last year. He was still playing. He played in the Federal League. He played a few games, you know. Jesus. That's insane, man. 
That is insane. The role he played to be playing that long, obviously. Uh, he could play as well, but uh, yep. I remember him. I think it was him. Dewey got a good scrap that year. I was in the U-Haul there in Quad Cities. Real good scrap between those two. What was the... Um... <laughs> My friend wanted me to ask, and I brought it up to you in private message. You didn't say anything about it. I don't know if you noticed it. But there was a dude in Quad Cities. He played a couple games. He's a Calgary guy. Big motherfucker. And I think they call him the bringer of violence, O.J. Her. Do you remember? Oh, fuck. Yeah, this is the guy they cut and brought me in from, because um, he's only there at the beginning of the year. Yep. Like for just all bit, right? Yep. Fuck, he's the guy they cut and uh, they brought me in from, because I, like I said, I was in Rockford. We actually played an exhibition game and, yeah, the guy, I guess, was absolutely sick. Shot the puck at the coach, Paul Gillies, one time. Cause it, oh, fucking. Just absolutely juiced out. Big dude. But, yeah, he is the guy who was an absolute meathead. I think really, I got to meet him once. Yeah, oh, like you said, they, I mean, on Hockey DB, he's listed at 6'6", 270. Yeah. Oh, he's huge. Fucking and all muscle. Yeah, like I said, he, uh, he was on his way out when I came in. Legitimately, just one day, and uh, but the boys had some good stories about me. It's just a fucking just uncoachable, just a meathead, but yeah, huge. And thought he was that too, all the shit. He actually ended up fighting that game too, uh, against Rockford. Fucking, he didn't even do that, but I fucking got out, you know, out and grappled, and his bounce was all off, and did this shit in the fight. So, but yeah, an absolute beast and giant. Yeah. I was wondering who the fuck that was, but yeah, I do remember him. Well, yeah, well, my yeah, my buddy, yeah, he was down there, and he, uh, I can't. Well, I said if there was ever a guy that was tailor made for the Quebec League, it sounds like it was that guy. Well, I don't know why he didn't go there, actually, but uh, yeah, no, he was selling like T-shirts and shit, and he had the bringer of violence, OJ Her, yeah, <laughs> the bringer fuck, of yeah, I mean, yeah, I kind of obviously like I said, I remember him, but fuck, he was on his way out, and, yeah. Uh, I just, Big dude, though. That's what I remember. Oh, yeah. I had to throw that. See, I'm throwing all the obscure names at you tonight, Les. We're really, I'm getting your memory going here. Well, fucking, that's lacking, too. You know, I've had a few conkeys and some motorcycle accidents, and the last one was a pretty good one. So my my memory, short term's pretty bad, but I remember, you know, some of the stories and some of the boys. So I definitely remember that dude. I didn't realize what his name was, though. Yeah. Oh, we're yeah, we're, we're oh, you're doing. Oh, this is good. Well, and then uh, well, your final stop, your final three years there. Uh, so you roll into Colorado um, with the with the Eagles, and I mean, you guys had a hell of a run. I mean, you won a championship there, and uh, and you had the big big PIM year that year. That was your biggest PIMS. Was your first year there, three hundred thirty eight. Um, what are your what were your first impressions of the Eagles? Oh, it's just unbelievable organization. I mean. They basically brought me in because I, when we played against them, I fought Tom or knocked him out, and then Crozy jumped me or came at me right after I got out of the penalty box, and I fought him, did real well. So now it's the reason, too, I got called up to Philadelphia as well, but Chris Stewart and Eagles seen that, and then two years later, I knew, I knew uh, Robertson uh, to play for him. Sean Robertson, he's just like, yeah, here's his number. They called me up. I'm like, oh, you know, I went to Omaha, tried out for the Flames Farm team there got cut and then came down to Colorado and uh, man it's you know it's a crazy market down here and the people in northern Colorado and how they support the hockey club uh, 
pretty phenomenal. And just the organization, Ralph Baxter and six Stanley Cups, Montreal Canadiens, a fucking legend, rookie of the year one year. And in my terms, he's been in the Hall of Fame, but uh, he's not. And then you know, obviously Chris Stewart, a guy who coached in PA, uh, got that Western hockey mentality and uh, loved some tough hockey. And uh, yeah, that one year, what was it? I was looking back at the DB as me leading, and I was fucking flippy. Fraser Flippy, second, and Greg Tankowitz, like, fourth. Yeah. And Tim's in the top five. So three of us are in the top five on that team. So, obviously, uh, you know, another team that was kind of built like the Philadelphia Flyers Phantoms team there, there were uh, lots of guys who would fight and step up, and uh, lots of guys would fill that role. Yeah, well, and like, and like you said, again, with the Central League, I mean, there's no shortage of toughness. I mean, uh, you know, you had like, back then, you had Sean Legault and Chris Millette and Chris Bain, and I know Hans Benson, you fought him a couple times. Uh, yep. Another Sasky boy, you fought Vother, Curtis Voth. Yeah, he was crazy. I mean, the years before that, when he was in Tulsa, and where else was he but fucking, he would fight anyone. And yeah, Vother and Tulsa, at home here, uh, ended up fighting him, and he was another guy uh, that could throw it down. He's from Sasky, too? Riverhurst. No. Another crazy gapper. Fuck, but yeah, he was a kid that uh, lived up in the minor leagues, the minor pro circuit, and fought a lot of fucking holiday and guys like that out there before, uh, you know, I was down here and fucking fought hard and did really well. Yeah, no, well, and then, of course, he was part of that documentary that they shot with him and Holiday and those guys, and, uh, yeah, I know, oh, I've been, I've been trying Kane to get him on the podcast. Best. Yeah, and Mike Kane was my roommate in Oklahoma City. I forgot, yeah, I, there, I, I was looking at his name, I forgot to ask you about that. Yeah, what was he like? Oh, fuck, beauty, absolute beauty, fucking had the accent, Boston accent, and fuck, half his face was plastic. His hand was plastic, would fight anyone, but just your classic hard-ass, like, Massachusetts tough dude, like, fucking throw down anytime. Played in New Mexico, and he was in Wichita, got traded to us. And, yeah, yeah, he was my roommate at the end of the first year. And, like, uh, we lifted up off the ice, and on the ice we uh, raised some hell as well, too. So another tough kid uh, that played in that league and was part of that documentary back in the day. Yeah, that was a real cutting edge documentary at the time. I mean, to follow those guys around and mic them up and stuff, it was a real interesting look into the minors. And uh, you know, which I mean, nowadays everyone oh YouTube and everything, there's cameras everywhere, and it's not a real big deal. But at the time, in the late '90s, I mean, that was a kind of a cutting edge documentary for sure. Yeah, I mean, it was crazy, like down south, and I mean, obviously they didn't know much much about hockey, but fuck, did they love their fighting and uh. They filled the arenas, and a lot of boys had some fun, and, you know, it was uh, it was that old-school hockey, crazy shit going on on the ice, and a lot of fighting, and a lot of entertainment. No, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're talking toughness, so I can't, we can't get out of here without telling some flippy stories. Now, Fraser Flippick, uh, for anybody listening out there, go on YouTube and look him up. Um, play, I don't know, what did he play? Seven seasons in Colorado. And, uh, mm-hmm. an Alberta boy, played in the Alberta Junior League, put up huge pims there. He comes down to Colorado. What's your first impression of Fraser Flippick? Yeah, he's got this list. There's, he's from Thorsby, Alberta, Fraser Flippick. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> another, he's got, he's just a wicked dude, though, like, 
on the ice, honestly, between him and Pankowitz, Pankowitz is bad shit crazy, too. Like, some of the shit he'd do on the ice, but Fraser Plippick, like, fucking eye gouging, um, fish hooking, anything like Like, he was the uh, probably dirtiest fucking player I've ever played with, but one of the toughest pound-for-pound guys. Like, he was the guy who backed it up, right, too, but fuck. Yep. He put skates on him. He's, I swear he's raised by wolves. He put skates on him. He's an absolute weapon. Crazy motherfucker. But then you get him off the ice, the nicest dude, like, hugs my parents, uh, whoever, you know, was helping me out, taking care of me. He's like, so, you know, so, uh, uh, so, uh, you know, polite and everything and his manners and everything. But, fuck, you get him on the ice, he's just a different dude off the ice. The nicest guy you'll meet. And uh, now they're like, so, uh, I care, I uh, characterize him with Pistol Pete Vandermeer. When I played in Philadelphia and inside, and, like, Pete didn't have any muscles. Like, you know, Mr. Burns from The Simpsons? That's <laughs> yeah. what Pete Vandermeer's like, body looked like. He had no muscles. This could fight, though. Yep. And so technical. Flippy was the same way. Flippy was actually pretty jacked up for his size and had muscles. But strong, but, fuck, he's that guy's miss, and you throw both hands, and could grab and twist in a fight, and uh, take on bigger dudes, and, uh, Probably, you know, next uh, pistol piece, probably pound for pound one of the toughest guys they played with. Yeah, no, and like I said, and it's a shame because the footage is so limited out there of of them. I I remember tweeting the Colorado Eagles. I'm like, make a fucking Fraser Flippick box set already. You got all the game tapes. Just put all that shit together. That would sell. That'd been awesome. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Like they made that one uh, standalone or something. They got some of those jokes in there. But yeah, fucking uh, the video. I don't where it disappeared to on some games, and you know how it is when you're collecting fight footage. Some teams have the you know, vintage and keep it in history and have the fights, but some teams have no footage at all. It just fucking disappears. And, uh, yep. He's one, I mean, honestly, just lethal on the ice, a weapon, and could play too. Like, he put up some goals one year here, but, uh, nicest dude off the ice. Fucking unbelievable dude. And still a good friend to me. Like, after my injury, he's one of the better friends I've had after. Like, you know, we'll go out, fucking. We'll eat, and he'll be feeding me food because I can't feed myself. And, you know, at the end of the night, they come with a tab, and they'll be like, oh, someone's picked it up for you, boys. I mean, so if you'll just look at each other, like, two more beers than each, and fucking keep going. But he's another solid dude with character that uh, has been uh, kept close and has been a real good friend uh, even after my injury here and after hockey. Well, that's awesome. I mean, uh, yeah, well, and... uh one of the guys I know you had a few battles with, um, and another dub boy, and we were talking about Kelowna earlier, um, was Chris Millette. Uh, yeah, well, he's, he's kind of the guy that was here before me, and I kind of took over his spot as a defenseman who could fight and uh, play that role. And, yeah, I had one here at home when he was in Youngstown, and then one out there, uh, fucking legitimately with Ramper Fucking, I caught a guy at the blue line, and fucking, he came up to me. He's like, you know, fuck, we gotta do this. Yep. And fucking, we even grabbed, grabbed the hung right away, and, uh, undid our own helmets on our own and started going at it, because we realized we didn't fucking shed our helmets. So, yeah, fucking, we went at it in, uh, Youngstown there, and we were out for beers that night, and a good guy, you know, and this, that's how it was back when you played in the, you know, minor leagues, and even back in the day in the NHL, I'm sure. Uh, you, you fight with a guy that night and you go up for beers with him after the game. It's it's pretty fucking funny. 
and people don't get it at all fighting in hockey. Like, like you said, all these fucking new age fans and, yeah, uh, have no idea, no fucking idea. But I mean, there's a role, an important role, and unfortunately, uh, Darren, buddy, the death of the enforcer, enforcer is kind of on us, and uh, the game of hockey has changed. And you know, love it or leave it, kind of type of thing. There's tons of skill, but you know, it's just not the same at all. No, she, you know, it's a different, different world, that's for sure, and. uh well, I'm gonna. Have to, uh, I just got a couple more questions for you, and then uh, yeah, we'll vote the hockey, and then we'll we'll move on here. But uh, one guy I wanted to ask you about, and I noticed you you fought him a couple times. He had a big rep coming out of the Quebec Junior League, and he's a big dude. Was uh, Marty Doyle? Yeah, did he fucking? I didn't even know he was that tough, and then he was in Arizona. I actually played with his brother in fucking Quad Cities, I think, or cousin or something. Chris Doyle, and he was a tough kid who could play the game, actually, too. But, yeah, me and Marty went at it. Once here in uh, Colorado, I remember that. He fucking uh, was chirping Tankowitz, and I'm like, fuck, get out of here, and lined up with him, went off. Went it off, off the draw, and then one time in Arizona, uh, we fought, and uh, went after it, too. Yeah, were you, uh, that, well, speaking of that, were, were you a big talker? Were you a big chirper, or was it just, uh, well, let's get at it? Oh, so I get to fuck you wars, but just more intimidation, play the game physical and fucking, you know, chirp a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, not a whole bunch. I was a big time over, you know, talking it up out there and trying to intimidate, just more intimidating with my game and being physical more than anything. But, uh, you know, it's just fucking death players and some fuck yous in front of the net. It doesn't take much. I mean, and you get a rep eventually playing through minor pro and you, you put some pims up, uh, Guys, you know, like in my third, I don't even my second year in Colorado, guys fucking uh, give me some more time and space and, you know, tend to say, fuck it, I'll take a hard pass on this one tonight and not fight. Yeah. Well, you mentioned him earlier. I was going to ask you about, speaking of chirping and stuff, how you had played against a Boyd Kane in Regina and you weren't a, you didn't like playing against him. Um, there was another guy in Regina. He was big, you know, draft pick, uh, lots of skill, but... From watching him as a fan, he was—he seemed really annoyed. What was he like to play against? Was uh, Josh Holden? Oh well, fucking, and there's stories about him too. Unbelievable hockey talent. Yeah. Obviously, what he could do, with guys. But yeah, one of those guys that was just fucking. He knew it's good, right? Too. And he was fucking can he go places at that time. Obviously, it was a big fucking deal. And he knew it, but yeah, he was just a cocky motherfucker out there, and. uh could get under your skin really good that way as well too. But he could play the game like fucking I some sick skill and speed and you know end up chasing him around sometimes. But he was a fucking I remember that now that brings me back he was a big time chirper on the ice holding. Yeah. Another guy's gonna ask you about speaking of skill and everything, and I know he played in Calgary. You remember Pavel Brendel? Yeah, that fucker used to stand up the blue line and just wait for breakaways. And that's what I was going to ask you. It was a D-man. It was like, son of a bitch, did you have to shadow this guy? Yo, stand. It's insane, man, but he could come off that half wall, too, in his zone. And he's a big boy. His leg down, he had such a fucking shot, but it was crazy. Like, he was just fucking float in the neutral zone, blue line, you know, your blue line, and fucking look for breakaways. It was insane. I don't know how the coach or told him to go do that, or if it's just off rails and on his own doing this. But, yeah, 
the one thing I remember about that kid, that fucking good skill and talent, but just would blow the zone and hang out, you know, in neutral zone in the fucking blue line looking for breakaways. Yeah. Well, I think, would he have 76 snipes that one year? Oh, yeah. He lit the shit out of the league, you know. Like, oh, yeah. Like, I remember him coming to Saskatoon and everybody talking about him. Yeah, and I remember he's, all he did was cherry pick. But, shit, I think he ended up with five that night or four. I remember, like, holy shit, you know. But Yeah, and probably, you know, probably gave up some goals, obviously, defensively playing that way. But Oh, yeah. He's another guy who never really went anywhere, you know. So many kids in that Western Hockey League are... The juniors are lighted up and really don't move on to the next level, but uh, yeah, fuck that's a blast from the past too. I remember that kid fondly, pretty good memory of that, and that was fucking part of his game. It was just, it was almost comical. It was fucking funny how he played it, and thought that was the way, the right way to do it, fucking and hang out in the neutral zone and at your blue line looking yeah. for that breakaway pass. Yeah, I know it was funny. I was like, I was scrolling hockey DB here before, just kind of getting names, and I saw his name, and yeah, like I, I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that name in a long time, and it just struck me funny. Yeah, but uh, oh yeah, back then, yeah, some dudes with some big points that you know, unfortunately, never, uh, you know, they went from prospects to suspects, right? So pretty quickly, yeah, it, it happened for sure. Well, um, obviously now, okay, so we. Uh, you know, with the hockey, we're done. But um, June for obviously June first, two thousand eight. You take the ride in the Harley, and um, I'll let you tell the story about what happened. Yeah, I had a mechanic friend out here, and he had a couple of Harleys. And fuck, at this point, a tornado had ripped through Windsor, Colorado. Here, and fucking tore up the city pretty or town pretty good, and fucked my vehicle up at the time bad, like written off and uh so i had no vehicle and as my uh i was an overager so i was a vet so i wasn't coming back to colorado because of the town people they had in place here so i was going over to belfast to play overseas there and sign a contract and it's literally the first nice day after the tornado we're about to uh start hockey school that monday and just uh was gonna buy this harley from my buddy my mechanic and went for a rip and uh just, I have no idea what happened. I don't even remember uh, what happened with the accident. Lost a month of my life after that. So June first, uh, July first, uh, first day. I remember is because the nurses had written a Happy Canada Day on the end of the board at the end of my bed. So that was my first memory after the accident. But yeah, obviously changed my life quite a bit, pretty uh, drastically, and a big life changer. Um, Living-wise and having no hockey left either, you know, you quit the game and that's a hard adjustment. But then, alone learning to live a new life with you know your injury and your ability. So, but if it could have happened, there would have been no better place than here in Colorado um, where I'm at with the support and everything that's happened after. And you know, it's a uh, been a real eye opener. You know, it's a uh, it's something I say always. I do speeches sometimes and stuff to kids and whatnot, but I always say, you know, if I, to my friends and loved ones and people I care about, I wish I could live one day. In my uh, situation and, you know, the wheelchair, just to realize, you know, all the abilities, but plus all the love you really have out there, the people that care about you, because uh, that's probably the biggest eye-opener of the whole situation and uh, the aftermath of the accident and the injury. Yeah, no, absolutely, and... Uh... And I know, uh, like we've talked here on, for the last little while, or a couple of years now on Twitter, but um, 
<clears throat> I know every once in a while you'll put up, uh, you know, your rehab videos and, and, uh, you know, for anybody out there, uh, you know, check out less on, uh, on Twitter or Instagram. And I mean, you got the, you're in the gym giving it shit. And, uh, I mean, if that doesn't get a, inspire a person, I don't know what, what, what will, but, uh, how's the, how's the rehab going and, uh, and, uh, and everything. Really good. I mean, uh, you know, I've changed some things up with, you know, medications and devices that I've had in my body to be able to cope with the, uh, the injury and uh, got rid of them, trying to go more natural. I've been talking to Riley Cote as well and everything he's doing, the platform he has, and uh, he's been helping me on the uh, medical side as well. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, doing some new first, you know, 10 years or 11 years still after my injury, I'm doing first, you know, new things that uh, I'm achieving down there at my therapy, which is, you know, it's just basically a workout. Personal trainers adapt a workout. For us, there are people in a certain situation, stroke victims, brain injuries, and uh, paralyzed people, and, uh, you know, just working out. But, yeah, a lot of firsts uh, here as of late in the last few months. And it's, like I say, it's my new, uh, it's, in my, it's in my new dressing room, my new sheet of ice. You know, I go down there and roll around, get there and talk shit, you know, and chirp people down there, the clients and the yeah. trainers. And then I get away for, you know, that's the hard thing to think about hockey and after people have, struggle with is that, that getaway. I mean, obviously you miss the boys in the dressing room, but it's that three hours where you, you know, changes someone else and you go out there and play a game you love, but it's a great escape. I mean, and uh, mentally it's hard to adjust. Not having that anymore, so that therapy's really done that for me. You know, I'm down there a couple of hours and I get, get out of my chair and do certain things and improve myself and stay healthy and uh, get away and like treat it like a you know, the dressing room, like I said, and you see the ice and playing hockey, a bit of a getaway and a way to get rid of my uh, frustrations and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, I'm very blessed to be able to do that, uh, hold a golf tournament here out in Windsor every year so I can fund that because it's not paid for by insurance. And I'll give you that link there, and then we'll throw it up, too, and uh, see what yep. we can round up. For, uh, you know, getting some noise, possible auction items always help as well, but. Yeah, I mean, Darren, honestly, uh, it's a rough deal and a, not the ideal situation, but uh, I live a really blessed life, and uh, I'm lucky to be involved in hockey still. Like, doing the color commentating for the Colorado Eagles, now I'm at the AAA level, you know, one one level below the show, and I've been talking to uh, possible or doing some uh, color with the radio with the Avalanche this year, a couple of years, you know, a couple of games up with them uh, this year, if we can figure it out. And get up there, and you know, it's just, uh, I tried coaching once I got out, and uh, it just wasn't accessible for a wheelchair to coach, uh, and get to arenas and dressing rooms and whatnot. But, uh, pulling up and putting a headset on and talking about the game I love, uh, it was a pretty easy transition and one good way to keep me involved with the game I've been playing and the game that I love, uh, you know, hockey. So, uh, I'm pretty lucky there, and uh, I like to say I live a blessed life here. Well, oh, that's great, man. And, uh, yeah, well, like you said, you're doing the, doing the deal with the, uh, Eagles. Um, how's the transition been from the American League from the East Coast? You know what? It's, it's crazy how better the talent is and the hockey is from the AA level to the AAA level. Um, the way hockey is now, there's, there's nights up there where there's not much physicality or fighting and I kind of get a, you know, lose my train of thought, you know, uninterested sometimes, but, uh, the fans that took to it very well were continue to sell out the arena and, 
you know, do big things. And we win championships and we hide them and uh, not give them back as well. Well, I, I, I did. I wasn't going to bring up the trophy. Oh, I already talked to you about the trophy. And uh, do you? Well, I don't want you're you're employed by the team, so we're not going to get you involved in that shit. But uh, no, no, I got I got the trophy right here, but I got some Bud Lights on the top of it. I got a couple straws, and I'm I'm drinking out of it here at my house. I'm hiding it. Well, there you go, there you go. Well, you heard oh. it here first, folks. Yeah. Oh, that's I have no idea where it's at or what happened and whatnot, and uh, you know I just hope it doesn't you know put too much of a scar on this organization or anything like that because the Eagles run a top-notch uh, uh, class act group out here and a great organization. The hockey out here is huge and they do a lot for the community, but uh, you know I have no idea what's going on there. But it's kind of a funny story, but it's not. And, wow, uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I guess they built a whole new trophy and whatever, but so I guess it's like, well, yeah, keep it then. But uh, I don't know. I think it was, uh, you know, who knows? There's no need to speculate, but I don't know. Maybe there's some some bitterness from moving leagues and somebody's motherfucking somebody. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, really weird that <laughs> the championship trophy doesn't get returned. All right. A little, that's a little different. Yeah. a different one. Yeah. I think it made bigger news than anyone thought it was, and you know, more of a spectacle than you thought it was going to be. But yeah, I don't know, Darren, and uh, I st- I stay out of that bullshit, and uh, you know, just all positive stuff. Like they, you know, they went back to back two championships in a row, so uh, it was quite a run. It was fun. Uh, I flew out to Florida for Game Seven last year when they did win it, and. Uh, Tore that town down after in uh, Fort Myers. So it was a fun time. So, and the championship uh, party last a little bit after that too, as well. That cup sees some wear and tear. So uh, I don't know what kind of shape it's in, but uh, or where it's at. But uh, you know, it was a fun back-to-back year and winning that cup. Yeah, no, absolutely. And like you said, the Colorado, like the organization, just in general, from the Central to the East Coast to the Amer- you know, it's been successful for sure. And uh, yeah, they. They do it right, you know, and uh, the, yeah, see, like even these Avalanche players that come here and the AHL players are just the fucking, I mean, I, you've never been to a game here, but the atmosphere at the arena, it's always stack-packed, full fans, and it's loud, and it's crazy, and uh, it's a pretty good atmosphere, and uh, a lot of the guys that play in the AHL or play with the Avs, they got sent down, uh, like, holy shit, this is a fun place to play, and it, it legit is, it's the best place I've played my pro, pro career, uh, obviously Colorado has been the best. Yeah. No, and like you said, and it's, uh, you know, and anytime you, I've talked to these guys and everything, and, you know, they talk about a certain place that they, you know, they if they run around the minors or whatever, and they play a few different places, and they, uh, but this place I really liked or whatever, there's always sort of that that common thread. It's just, you know, if, if you run your organization, there's a right way and a wrong way to do things. And there, it's yeah. ama- and it's amazing the number of of these teams that whether it be because I have friends that coach and run teams whether it be junior minors they cut corner you get an owner that cuts corners or whatever and it reflect and eventually it reflects on what's on the ice it really does yeah and there's some horror stories you know minor league and going over to Europe and yep the way some guys got screwed over there I mean not every situation is a great one. Uh, or even a good one, like Buck Amarillo, the stories from there. and just There's times that we could go on and go on forever about Minor Pro and some of the uh, situations and organizations that did it. 
completely wrong. And uh, here, the foundation was having Ralph Backstrom, six-time Stanley Cup champion, uh, should be a Hall of Famer, and then, you know, Martin Lynn, Chris Stewart at the helm. Uh, they've just done it right from day one, and uh, they continue um, and watch to grow and the evolution of the game here and the organization. Uh, pretty crazy. And to think that I'm working a uh, radio gig at the AAA level, one uh, one step under the show, uh, is pretty crazy to think about sometimes when I'm, uh, you know, looking at it in a big perspective. What a ride, eh? From Watrous to the to Colorado, and a, and a whole bunch in between. Yep. Yeah, it's been a fun ride. It's been a good ride. Absolutely. Well, Matt. Um, well, like you said, you brought up uh, this is coming up here on August twenty third. It's the eleventh uh, annual Les Borsheim Golf Tournament, where you uh, you know raise money for your uh, for your rehab. Uh, and uh, like you said, anybody listening, you know, I'm, I'll put the link up and stuff and. Uh, you know, as far as, like, you have a GoFundMe or anything like that? No, just that. Uh, solely, you know, just to help raise funds. Uh, my therapy isn't covered by insurance at all down in Denver, and it's so expensive by the hour, obviously, to add stuff. But it's the right spot for me to be at. It's not going to, you know, I'm not going to walk because of what I'm doing, but I'm definitely seeing improvements. And my independence uh, continues to grow and evolve, evolve and get better and due to that. And, uh the golf tournament itself is a pretty good time. Free Budweiser, uh, you know, special events on different holes, some celebrities, uh, you know, local celebrities through sports and TV and whatnot, Broncos, Rockies, former Avalanche and whatnot. So uh, it's a good time. But, yeah, any help uh, is greatly appreciated if you have any way uh, of uh, helping out. If you think of anything, uh, DM me. And uh, another thing, I was going to throw out, you know, if anyone's got extra Pilsner, and uh, they can smuggle some down. I'll uh, DM me your. I'll DM you my address. So you get it down because I'm flat out here, Darren. Oh, you, where, where's mom? She's got to make the trip here. You, oh, she must just. Talking. When she drives down there, she must just be loaded down, bootlegging that shit to get there. Oh yeah, and ketchup chips and that. And, yeah. You know, yep. Certain, certain chocolates, but yeah, it's uh, the majority of what she's hauling for luggage when it comes down. You know. And she's telling me about how expensive it is now. I'm like, holy shit. 20 bucks for a pack of smokes. Yep. You know, whatever it is for 24 beer. How did I even do it when I was a kid? Like, Oh, like, shit, man. Saskatchewan, we got the most expensive beer prices in Canada. Brutal. How is that? $32 for 12 I know. She lets me know every time she comes how much it costs her. Yeah, I'm well aware of like, we used to call it, well, Saskatchewan gold, right? But fuck, they're charging us like it's gold now, too. Oh, I was going to say, you better, you got to be savoring that shit with the price it is. I know, I don't think about it, but it just tastes so good, you know, when it hits the lips, it just can't stop. Oh, it doesn't last too long. Them, them, them Americans, they, they're, they're, they need a, there's a lot they need to learn about beer, that's for sure. Oh, fuck, I, I hand it out to neighbors here in France, and they like it. They're like, this is good shit, like, we got all these microbreweries and Budweiser right here in Fort Collins, like a big brewery, but uh, they like the pills, there's the pill. Uh, big fans. Well, you can't go wrong. <laughs> well, man, uh, yeah, Les, though, I really appreciate you taking the time tonight. This is great. Um, yeah, so uh, what are the different platforms? You're on all the platforms, right? Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff? Oh, yeah, I got the Snappy Chat. I got the Instagram, the Facebook. 
Um, and the Twitter. Twitter's, Twitter's fun. I mean, obviously, you stay involved with some guys we played with and your shit going on. Keep keep putting those videos up, man. Uh, love seeing the old school shit. And obviously, you don't see it no more uh, unless you really search for those fights. But fuck, it's really fun seeing the old dub days and junior, you know, junior straps and the minor pro ones, man. Keep up the good work and really appreciate you doing that. And your old lady, too, putting up with you, obviously. Oh, she's over in the other room right now, just rolling her eyes. Like, who is, you know, look at these two dipshits over in the corner talking about shit that happened 30 years ago. But Yeah. yeah. Uh, hey, Corey, Dick, gotta live them up and love them. And, uh, no, seriously, though, Darren, appreciate that you, uh, you support the role that uh, is kind of disappearing, obviously. But still a lot of good footage and video you put up uh, to remind us of how important it was and how much fun it was back in the day. Well, trying, man. Like I said, it was always a fan of you guys, and uh, I can remember less and Ponte and the and the whole crew showing up in Saskatoon and watching you. And uh, no, it's been great watching your career, and uh, you know, from the tragedy to uh, you know, and you and you're turning into a positive, and uh, like you're right, uh, you know, small step, big prayers, right? And I know I got my uh, I got my Borsheim hoodie. I rock that thing. Yeah, you, I shouldn't even charge you for that, buddy. For all you do, I can't believe I, I can't believe I took your money, buddy. That should have been a freebie. No, no, there is no way I would have taken I, that I for free. I yeah, I appreciate the support, Darren. Always, you know. No, it, uh, no, absolutely. And anybody, like you said, anybody out there listening, you know, always looking to, uh, for items for the auction and fundraising. And uh, no, we can get the uh, the other the other fourth line. Uh, Cats out there listening to this, if uh, you help less out, and uh, no man, it was a I I finally we got to do this, and we've been yapping about doing this for a long time, and uh, ho- hopefully this isn't the last time. No, no, we'll just do updates and fuck, maybe just talk. Fuck, we'll do a short fucking uh, you know half hour or something about the state. We didn't even get into the Bruins or Blues or the Stanley Cup, but uh, you know other shit we'll get into it in the future and. Uh, you know, ideas uh, for how we can promote fighting and all the uh, videos you got to get them out there. Some more fucking uh, Bobby Frober Invitational. That's coming up as soon, as soon as this Stanley Cup is over. I got the I got the list of sixty four already made. I'm holding it back until the playoffs are done. And uh, yeah, that'll be starting up in about two weeks. We'll get that going. All right, buddy. Looking forward to that. I like voting on that shit. No, oh, it's always fun with uh, for sure. Get uh, get stir up the Twitter a little bit, talking about the old timers. Yeah, and you match up some what people think and what they know, and fucking it's always interesting, you know, how guys some guys get respect, and then some guys who are fucking tougher and probably uh, might win that fight don't really get it. So yeah, the yeah, 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 the old guys, yeah, they sort of you know the uh, the Gillies and the, the Nystroms and stuff get no respect, and Ben Wilsons in those tournaments and. But, uh, you know, it's sort of, uh, at the end of the day, as long as there's people talking about those guys, that's the, that was the whole point of the thing to begin with, is to get people talking about those guys. And remember you guys. Yeah, I know, it's fun, man, and I appreciate all the, uh, you know, like I said, I support the boys who've done this job and uh, respect them. Uh, you do it in a good way, so keep that shit up. Absolutely, man. All right, Les. Well, you have a good night. I won't. I uh, won't keep you any longer. But uh, I appreciate it, man. And uh, keep keep it up. Keep it going. Yeah, you know I will. Keep asking down there, Darren, back home, and uh, the good old three hundred six, and uh, 
keep on that Pilsner and putting out those fight videos. Absolutely, man. All right, buddy. All right, Les. Have a good night. You too. Thank you. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?